From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome to this Tuesday edition of Washington Watch. Thanks so much for tuning in. Coming up, Israel held its fifth national election in just four years today, and it appears that Benjamin Netanyahu's Likud party has won a governing majority. Earlier this morning, the former prime minister was asked about whether he would lead a far-right government if he does return. Uh, we don't want uh, a, a government with the Muslim Brotherhood who uh, support terrorists and deny the existence of Israel and are pretty hostile to the United States, too. We'll get a live report from Jerusalem when CBN News Middle East Bureau Chief Chris Mitchell joins us in just a moment. And here at home, Democrats are still pounding on the issue of abortion in advance of next week's election, despite, despite the fact the majority of Americans are turned off by their radical abortion until birth push. I want to reinstate Roe at the federal level so we take politicians out of the office and we allow women again to make the health care choices under the provisions of Roe that were very clearly stated. Late-term abortion is a canard. A canard. Hmm, interesting. That was Washington State Senator Patty Murray in a debate Sunday night with Republican challenger Tiffany Smiley which is actually, which uh, she's doing quite well in that race up in Washington state. We'll talk about how life is playing out in key races around the country with Congresswoman Myra Flores of Texas a little later. Also, President Biden, he continues his attack on oil companies. Yesterday, he said this. The difficult time Americans across the country have stepped up and they to do the right thing, but not everyone stepped up. The oil industry has not, has not met its commitment to invest in America and support the American people. The president continues to look for a scapegoat for his failed policies that have caused energy prices to skyrocket. We're going to talk about it on this edition of Washington Watch. And speaking of energy, an Oklahoma law went into effect today entitled the Energy Discrimination Elimination Act of 2022. Now, this bill is a response to woke financial corporations like BlackRock, which are using the money of its investors, many from oil-producing states, to literally drive the fossil fuel industry out of business. We're going to talk about it with Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt a little later here on Washington Watch. And finally, William Wilberforce. He was the 18th century British politician who was best known for his efforts to abolish the slave trade. But his second greatest initiative was the reformation of manners and morals. He understood that a free society could not long prosper if manners and morals were neglected. We're going to talk about a modern-day effort to revive manners in children. Jill Garner, who is the founder of Manners of the Heart, joins me a little later here on Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you miss anything, it's all right there at TonyPerkins.com. Now, you know this, we are one week away from the 2022 midterm election. Now, have you gotten your free personalized voter guide? If not, here's what you do. Text the word guide, that's G-U-I-D-E, to 67742. That's all you need to do. Text the word guide to 67742. You get a link, put in, uh, follow the link, put in your address, and within seconds you'll have your own personalized voter guide. Also, with this important election just one week away, I am hosting a special Pray Vote Stand broadcast tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. You know, can we trust the election process? What is really at stake in this election? And is this a spiritually significant election? Those are questions we're going to tackle tonight. And we're going to pray about them when I'm joined by former Ohio Secretary of State Ken Blackwell, North Carolina Congressman Dan Bishop, and my good friend Pastor Jack Hibbs of Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills in California. So tune in, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, prayvotestand.org. Our word for today comes from 2 Kings chapter 7, verses 6 and 7. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. Therefore, they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, and their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. Samaria was under siege by the Syrian army. The people were starving. The situation was dire. There appeared no way out but to surrender and face the brutality of the opposing force. It was at that moment 
in an instant that God brought about a supernatural victory by routing the Syrian army, by putting inexplicable fear in their hearts, causing them to run wild. When we're ready to give in, God is ready to begin. Our hope must not be in our own ability or even in that of our government or any other institution. Our hope must be in God. To be a part of our Bible reading plan, go to frc.org slash Bible. You can join me at 844 Eastern Time every morning for a short devotional. Either go to TonyPerkins.com or join me on my Facebook page. Israelis return to the voting booth today for their fifth election in less than four years. And despite the many trips to the polls, enthusiasm for voting remains high, with election officials saying turnout was the highest since 19. 19- 99. Now, the polls closed about an hour ago, and uh, it appears that Benjamin Netanyahu's Likud party is on track to win a narrow majority. Joining us now, live from Jerusalem, is Chris Mitchell, Middle East Bureau Chief for CBN News. He is uh, at the Likud party headquarters right now. Chris, welcome back to Washington Watch. Hey, Tony. Great to be with you. All right. So tell us about today's results. What do we know? Well, what we know right now, uh, uh, Tony, is that uh, of the top three uh, networks, uh, two of them, the exit polls say Netanyahu and the Likud party would have a 62-seat coalition. One of them says 61 seats. Uh, One of them, actually, another poll said 63. Uh, So it looks right now, and these are preliminary results, Tony, things can change in the next 12, 24 hours, in the next several days. But at least right now, it looks like Benjamin Netanyahu and the Likud party might have a comfortable majority uh, to form a coalition government. Now, I say comfortable because uh, it's been very hard for any coalition government to get at least 61. If they can get 62, uh, at least in these political days, uh, that's kind of comfortable. I mean, that's almost, you get three additional votes. I mean, that's like a landslide with uh, what we've seen in, in recent years. So the process, explain the process. After tonight, the votes are counted. Uh, tell us how this goes about the time frame in which a coalition government is actually formed. So what, what happens right now, the votes are still coming in, so they could change in the next 12, 24 hours. We've seen that happen before. We've seen actually a couple of elections ago where, where Likud looked like they were going to have a majority. Things change by the next morning. But if they, they continue uh, the results as they are right now, then what's going to happen is that uh, the president of Israel, uh, Itzhak Herzog, is going to meet with all of the political parties, and he's going to ask them, who do you want to form a coalition government? Likely it's going to be Likud if these results stay the same. And then the Likud and Benjamin Netanyahu will have 28 days to cobble together a coalition government. Right now it looks like they will have 62, and who knows? If it's possible that they get one of the other parties, they could have actually a more comfortable majority. It seems unlikely, but right now, that's going to be the time frame. If in 28 days they don't have a a coalition government, uh, they can appeal for an extension of 14 days. And if that doesn't happen by then, then the president can choose another party or a leader to form a coalition government. So we're looking at perhaps several weeks before there is any coalition government, but perhaps even sooner if, uh, if the, the results say they are as they are now, and those parties aligned with Al-Qud and Benjamin Netanyahu will form a coalition government. So, Chris Mitchell, what were the issues driving voters in this election? Well, one of the, uh, one of the uh, issues, Tony, was security. In the last several days, there's been a number of terror attacks uh, in and around uh, the West Bank, Judea, and Samaria. Uh, that was one of the things. Uh, another theme that we were talking to people on the street today is they would they don't want to have any more elections. They really don't want this political paralysis. Uh, and it was a high turnout, as you had mentioned, the highest since 1999. And uh, we were sensing during the day that that would favor uh, Netanyahu and all the right wing parties. Uh, there was a strong sense, in it, and I've talked to some Israelis about this. Uh, they really do want uh, a government to stand up to terrorism. Uh, one other thing that uh, affects uh, Washington, uh, Tony, is whether or not the U.S. was uh, exerting too much influence on the near Lapid government. For example, there was a maritime agreement just uh, a few days ago signed by Yair Lapid uh, in his interim coalition government. Uh, really, some people thought they were giving up territorial waters and sovereignty over the waters in the Mediterranean to Lebanon. And actually, you know, when you're talking Lebanon, you're talking Hezbollah. So they felt there was an undue influence by the uh, Biden administration. 
a few weeks ago. Yair Lapid was at the UN. He talked about a two-state solution. Uh, that hadn't been talked about for a while. So, so these are some of the uh, issues that Israelis were thinking about when they went to the polls. You know, Chris, we could have something very similar to what we had in terms of U.S.-Israeli relations uh, that we had about 10, 12 years ago when Republicans took control of Congress. You had uh, Benjamin Netanyahu as prime minister, and he worked very closely with a Republican Congress where it uh, you had a, a, a President uh, Obama that was not as friendly to Israel. You have a very similar situation. This could very well box in President uh, Biden when it comes to Iran or other uh, issues that would affect Israel. That's very true, Tony. And if there's, as expected, there's a red wave next week at this time, uh, you know, where the Republicans may take control of the House, possibly the Senate, then uh, they would have a natural ally with Benjamin Netanyahu here and uh, and sort of reverse many of the policies uh, of the Yair Lapid government. Just a few minutes ago, we spoke to former uh, U Israeli ambassador to the UN, Danny Danone, and that was one of the things he was saying. They're going to start, if they get into power, they're going to start reversing many of the policies that Yair Lapid has, uh, has been uh, promulgating for the last year or so. Uh, final question for you, Chris Mitchell. Um, I know that their relationship, they kind of had a falling out, President Donald Trump and uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. But do you think President Trump might uh, see this return of uh, BB as a, as a sign for him to make another run at it here in the United States? Uh, I, I was talking to our political analyst, John Waggy, just a little while ago. He thinks this election could be a bell, bellwether for uh, the next the U.S. elections uh, next week and possibly to 2024. I would expect that uh, a, a potential President Trump in 2024 would really relish the idea of uh, serving with uh, alongside Benjamin Netanyahu, despite the fact that they have sort of a head of falling out and there has been some uh, harsh words said uh, from President Trump toward Benjamin Netanyahu. But I think uh, politicians can, uh, can uh, settle those differences. And I think I would add, uh, uh, Tony... One other thing that there's sort of a really, this, this was a difference in worldview right now. I think with the Air Lapid, you had a progressive uh, government that really wanted to align themselves with Europe uh, and the European Union. And uh, on the other hand, you have a government that perhaps with Netanyahu would uh, want a coalition that is more Jewish, is more nationalistic, uh, really wants a strong security. But all of that, uh, Tony, the bottom line is to keep praying for the peace of Jerusalem keep praying for the coalition government that Israel could have a strong, stable government uh, with all the internal and external threats that they're facing in these days. All right, uh, Chris Mitchell, always great to see you. And at least this time, I I'm not the one that kept you up late. It was the election that kept you up there, uh, <laughs> kept you up late there in Jerusalem. Thanks so much for joining us. Always great to see you, my friend. Same here, Tony. All right, Chris Mitchell with CBN, his Middle East bureau chief. You know, I, I think he's right. When you look at this progressive policies there in Israel, the results of that, the people are rejecting it. I hope the same thing takes place here in the United States as people reject the uh, leftist policies that we've seen from the Biden administration and from this Democratic-controlled Congress. Well, coming up, we'll be joined by Congresswoman Myra Flores to discuss the Democrats' extreme positions on abortion. Stay tuned. More Washington Watch straight ahead. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible.
1 Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org worldview. Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us. The website is TonyPerkins.com. And again, to get your personalized, free, personalized voter guide, text the word guide to 67742. That's the word guide, G-U-I-D-E, to 67742. You'll get a link, follow the link, put in your address, and there you have it, your own personalized voter guide. All right. Um, just got word that uh, Congresswoman uh, Flores is not going to be able to get to the uh, the studio in time to do the interview. She got held up in an event. Um, so I'm going to switch gears here for a moment. But I, but I want to address this issue of these. Uh, there's a ballot initiatives going on as it pertains to abortion. All right now, we've been hearing you know Democrats beating this drum after the Dobbs decision. Well, the polling shows, you know, the American people are not motivated by that. Um, they are motivated primarily by the the economy, the fact that they can't put food on the table, that it's getting, uh, you know, extremely difficult to fill up the tank and the car. And they're having to make some serious choices about whether or not they eat, they drive somewhere, they take the kids to a sporting event. And and so those are the driving issues. I don't think the Democrats want it that way, but that's what's happening. But I want to draw your attention to something to show you kind of how significant this issue of abortion is to the left. In Michigan, we've talked about this before, uh, there is Proposition 3. Now, this would, like California, we're going to talk about this tonight uh, with uh, Pastor Jack Hibbs, who's out in California leading the effort against Prop 1. That's going to be on our Pray Vote stand event tonight. But Prop 3, they are wanting to put abortion into the state's constitution, but it's more than abortion. Uh, It would... uh, some argue, would give minors the ability to get an abortion without parental consent and even transgender surgeries uh, is how far it would go. Now, here's what is significant about this. In Michigan, this ballot initiative has raised more than $57 million, more than any of the political campaigns in the state, more than the governor's race. Money is flowing in. It's coming in from people like George Soros, a lot of dark money. Uh, but you've got uh, George Soros, you've got Michael Bloomberg that's putting money in there. All of these leftists, they realize that if they can succeed in Michigan in doing this, they want to take this to other states. So all of our listeners in Michigan, be aware of what's on the ballot with Prop 3. You need to stop it in its tracks in Michigan. All right, I want to... Uh, Bring in Travis Weber. He is the vice president for policy and government affairs here at the Family Research Council. And, you know, we've been talking a lot about the election. 
but I want to we've and we've given this warning, but I can't uh, I can't sound the alarm too often. Immediately following the election, we're going to go into a lame duck session of Congress. And this is going to be probably two of the most dangerous months in a modern political history, because there there are already about a dozen bills teed up in the Senate that, if passed, would have significant implications for religious freedom in this country, for voting rights, and a host of other things. Uh, So joining me now is Travis Weber, Vice President of Policy and Government Affairs here at the Family Research Council. Travis, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tony. All right, let's talk a little bit about the lame duck session that will begin immediately following the election on the 14th, the Monday after Senate returns. And top of the list of the things that they want to focus on, uh, the majority leader in the Senate, Chuck Schumer, has said he wants to make the so-called Respect for Marriage Act a primary focus. Tell us about it. Yeah, I mean, Tony, this is a, it's a problematic bill. It passed the House, uh, including with some Republican support. It's in the Senate now, and, and senators, uh, Democrats, are trying to do what they can to pass it. Uh, you know, I think so far, a, a sufficient attention has been, uh, enough attention has been brought to the religious freedom problems with the bill to get uh, attention by a lot of Republicans who are concerned about religious freedom. There are significant unresolved issues with the bill as far as its religious freedom implications. But, you know, going back um, to, to why they're moving this, they're, they're trying to pass a bill that would codify same-sex marriage um, as a matter of federal law um, and also require a recognition of, of such marriages between states. Now, we know the Supreme Court dealt with this issue in Obergefell. They stepped outside the bounds of the court's jurisdiction and constitutionalized the issue of same-sex marriage. But now, Congress, Democrats in Congress want to pass it as a matter of legislative uh, legislation as well. So we're obviously concerned about it, but also noting the religious freedom problems in addition to the the bad policy decision uh, regarding same-sex marriage, religious freedom problems. And let me point out two specific areas, Tony. One is this, the creation of a national public policy that this would likely further cement because a national public policy in favor of same-sex marriage, which legislation would, um, would help solidify, would then be used to argue for the removal of tax-exempt status from religious uh, schools and nonprofits and further marginalize Christians who disagree with the legitimacy of same-sex marriage, saying that's not marriage at all. But that would be put outside the bounds of proper debate and, and religious liberty concerns to be overridden because it would be argued that a national public policy has been put into place. So uh, there's a host of other problems uh, solidifying the, the, um, the uh, concerns that, that Jack Phillips and others have been, have been raising, and this bill would make it easier to continue to override such religious liberty cases. But, but for all these reasons and more, you know, we're obviously concerned that this would be passed uh, and snuck in after the election during this critical few months in the lame duck session. And this is not speculation. I mean, we've seen in the last seven years since Obergefell how this attack on religious freedom has taken place. But this, by placing it into federal law, having Congress saying, yeah, yeah, we agree with the court's uh, redefinition of marriage, that essentially uh, locks into place this hostility toward traditional religious uh, and conservative views on marriage. Very quickly, we're almost out of time, but where can people find out more information and what do they need to do? Yeah, so Tony, frcaction.org slash lame duck. They can go there, take action, tell their senators they oppose uh, these these pro-abortion, anti-marriage, anti-freedom bills, including the Respect for Marriage Act that are th- under threat of being passed during the lame duck or likely to be passed, whole host of bills, but they, they can go to that website that we have an ability for them set up there to take action and tell their senators why they oppose these bills and their senators should stand strong during the lame duck. So it's all available at frcaction.org slash lame duck. All right, Travis Weber, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Thank you. Folks, as I've said before, our republic is not for spectators. It's for participants. And this is where we need you. So I need you to go to frcaction.org org slash lame duck. Follow the links over. Communicate with your senators about this. Coming up, we'll discuss the need to instill values of character, respect, and integrity for the next generation and some resources that can help you do that. So stay tuned. More Washington Watch coming up next.
Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, it doesn't take much effort to recognize the spirit of lawlessness that too often permeates our society. But there is light amid the darkness. We see it every day in our homes, in our churches, and also with organizations striving to instill the values of character, respect, and integrity for the next generation. Joining me in studio is the founder of one such organization, Jill Garner. She is uh, an accomplished speaker, educational expert, uh, author, and founder of Manners of the Heart, an organization confronting incivility in our society. Jill, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you. Glad to be here, Tony. Let's talk about the the need first for manners, and, and this is a project, I think, almost 20 years or longer you've been working on. It is, 20 years. Yes. What what prompted you to get into this? Well, what really prompted this was watching and witnessing the demise of manners and morals in our society. And um, when I really started studying this issue and what could be done about it, uh, it became very clear that underneath it all, what happened in the 60s is that we all talk about, you know, when we think of the demise of manners and morals and the beginning of the demise of our public education system, that we took prayer out of school, we removed God from school. But in some ways, I've wondered if that was almost a smokescreen for something much more insidious that was being planted into society. And that was this notion of this terrible untruth, I like to call it, of self-esteem. And, you know, self-esteem was the same thing as sin of pride in the garden, right? We understood it was bad. Uh, fast forward to the 1500s, vainglory, but we understood the vanity of self, still bad. But then the old enemy decided to call it something new and fresh, and he called it self-esteem. But it's exactly the same thing, the esteeming of self, which is totally uh, antithetical to anything Scripture teaches, right? Scripture teaches to, we, that we are to esteem God and we to are, are to esteem others, but never does it say we're to esteem ourselves, right. right? And it's through the esteeming of God that we find who we are and who we're meant to be. And then the esteeming of others is how children particularly gain um, and are become fortified with self-respect. And an, and an esteeming of God brings esteeming, brings um, a respect for self. Right. And so through manners of the heart, what we do that's very different and very contrary to other programs uh, that might be teaching something similar in a different 
you know, in a different way. Uh, what we do is teach others centeredness. And so we are working with children to help them learn how to esteem others and how to put the needs of others ahead of their wants. Now, you've been doing this in uh, public schools uh, mm-hmm. around uh, mm-hmm. the country over the mm-hmm. last 20 years. What are you seeing? What are the mm-hmm. trends that you're seeing in the schools? Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's, it's, uh, it's been um, interesting and upsetting <laughs> at the same time. As we've continued, the new scores just came out, as I'm sure you're right. aware, right, yeah, of uh, low math, low science. You know, the scores are So where, where do you give the scores on manners? Are they getting any better? <laughs> uh, in manners of the heart schools, they are. Okay. <laughs> manners of the heart schools. See, but they're not getting this. Any. I mean, we were talking to my kids about this yeah. the other day. Uh, I mean, they're adults now. Young. Mm-hmm. We used to have uh, courses on how to answer the telephone. Right. Uh, in school, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. a proper way to address someone, right. that's right. gone. Right. Well, and it's gone because we've lost respect, yeah. right? So underneath all of this is when we started esteeming ourselves, it's very hard to esteem yourself while you're respecting someone else. And so you lose that respect for others when you become self-focused, right? But, but it really begins with an understanding that there's one who created us. Right. With God. And right. so we gain our sense of worth right. from God. And once right. we have that sense of worth, we can do what God says, love others as you as you love yourself. Exactly. Because we understand we have worth and we understand right. that the person next to us has worth right. as well. And we're not looking we're not looking for worth and value in the world. Right. In the world's eyes, because we have it. We right. have it. Exactly. So, so Manners of the Heart, and you, you've just uh, written a new book that comes out actually on Veterans Day. Tell mm-hmm. us about that. Yeah, it's, um, it's a precious children's book called um, Little Patriot with a Big Heart. And uh, it's a beautiful story of a little boy named Jack who um, discovered um, some shoeboxes in his grandpa's closet. And when he opened the boxes, he found these old photographs and some army that looked like army medals and pictures of soldiers. And so he asked grandpa to tell him about it. And in the process of grandpa, grandpa telling him about it, he discovered that his grandpa was a hero and that his grandpa was a true patriot. And he wanted to know what he had to do and what he had to learn to become a true patriot. And so the book is really about how grandpa teaches Jack what it really means to be a patriot and what it means to put your country above yourself and what it means to put others above yourself. And I'm not going to spoil the end, but uh, at the end of the story, I almost guarantee a little tear (laughs) will come at the end of the story for how, um, how Jack exhibited the qualities that he learned about being a patriot and being totally other-centered and focused on others and um, and what it did to warm his grandpa's heart. How can folks uh, find out more about getting a copy of the book? They can go to org to our website, and they'll find it right there. And we're working right now to put together a neat little package um, to make something a little special with, you know, Christmas coming up and mm-hmm. uh, to make something really special to make it a and, gift for kids. And at that site, Manners of the Heart, mm-hmm. they can also find out more about uh, the, the whole program. Yes, they can find out more about all of it. And they can also go to Jill Garner Content. Dot org, which is a new website we've just launched within Manners of the Heart um, to, sh- to learn more about um, this whole concept of other-centeredness mm-hmm. and um, serving others. And um, there's special, um, special offerings there for women and for parents as well, too. All right. Well, Jill, always great to see you. Thanks so much for uh, for too. coming in today. Thank you. Thank you for be, having me All here. right. And, folks, I want to encourage you to check out the website. If you didn't get that, just go to TonyPerkins.com, and we'll have a link for you right there. Also, be sure and get your personalized voter guide. Text GUIDE to 67742. All right. Don't go away. On the other side of the break, we'll have the governor of Oklahoma, Kevin Stitt, will be joining us. That's straight ahead. Don't go away. More Washington Watch straight ahead. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. 
they unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742 and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us. The website is TonyPerkins.com. And let me again remind you, if you've not yet gotten your personalized voter guide, you can do so right now. Election Day, one week away. And so you need to be prepared to cast your ballot in an informed manner. All you need to do, text the word guide, G-U-I-D-E, to 67742. That number again, 67742, the word guide, G-U-I-D-E. You'll get a link, follow the link, put in your address, and within seconds you'll have a personalized voter guide on the candidates. And it, 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 it rates the candidates from extremely liberal to extremely conservative based upon faith, family, and freedom issues. So again, text the word guide to 67742. Earlier today, the Energy Discrimination and Elimination Act went into effect in the state of Oklahoma. Now, this law requires the state to no longer conduct business with financial firms that discriminate against fossil fuel companies. Now, frankly, I think this is reasonable, not only as an investment strategy, but also so that it does not inflict harm on the many Oklahoma citizens working in the oil and gas industry. Look, uh, you know, teenagers probably don't uh, do this today, but when I was in high school growing up in Oklahoma, I worked in the oil field during the summers. It's a great place to learn a skill and also it's a great place to learn you want to get an education. Now, this is a big deal in the state of Oklahoma. In Texas, it's a big deal, even my home state of Louisiana. But in Oklahoma, the top three industries in the state are related to energy. You've got oil and gas extraction. You've got the petroleum refinery refinery business. You have gasoline and petroleum wholesaling. Those are the top three. So this makes perfect sense. Joining me now to discuss this and more is the governor of the state of Oklahoma, Kevin Stitt. Governor, welcome back to Washington Watch. Oh, great to be with you, Tony. Thanks so much for, for having me here and uh, spending a few minutes with us today. So let me just ask you, why was this the right move for Oklahoma to make? Well, as, as governor of Oklahoma, I'm going to protect the assets in our state. 
number one. So like you said, the oil and gas industry, all of the jobs and, and the attack from the Biden administration and some of these policies on our way of life, and I'm going to push back. Uh, but from just an investment standpoint, if you think about every state has pension plans uh, for police and fire and state employees and teachers, and one of this, one of our policies here was we found out that some of these investment uh, dollars were going to ESG type lending, which is really a social governance check the box type of a uh, of a philosophy versus earning a return for the shareholders. So we said we're not going to invest in companies that uh, their their goal is not to earn a earn a, earn a return, but more just to kind of check some box. So we think that's ridiculous. And then also just to protect our way of life and our oil and gas industry. Uh, that was the other reason we did it. But if you think big picture, all the people watching, the reason we have 40-year highs in inflation is because of some of the Biden's policy and trying to put their thumb uh, on certain industries and pick winners and losers and tax uh, the oil and gas industry. And their solution is, is then doesn't make a lot of sense to us in Oklahoma, but they want to buy oil from Russia or OPEC because demand is the same. So all they're doing is just choking off supply and they're costing everything to cost more money at the gas pump or the grocery store. So let me correct me if I'm wrong, but as I, I see this, what you what you've said is that you have these policies taking the money that you invest from the state of Oklahoma in, say, retirement, state retirement uh, accounts. And it's with firms that are actually pushing policies that hurt the very individuals who they're protecting their retirement dollars. Is that right? That's that's pretty much true. You know, uh, uh, we're using our tax dollars uh, in our pension funds um, that we're setting aside for the benefit and the retirement of our state employees and our police and our fire. And then we're turning around and investing in companies that then turn around and attack our state. Uh, so it's just kind of a circular uh, deal that's not good for the state of Oklahoma. So as governor and as a, as a businessman, uh, we're going to put a stop to this. And it makes perfect common sense to all the citizens of Oklahoma. Uh, ESG lending is some kind of uh, radical social uh, uh, you know, governance model that has nothing to do with actually uh, investing for the shareholders and to make a profit. Right. We are a capitalist society, and now you've introduced something that doesn't make sense uh, to to you know uh, a free market type system. Well, and, and as you said, the, the the very individuals who have entrusted their money into this system, they're having their dollars used against them in many cases. Uh, contravening their values, but depriving them of the profits that they should get by focusing solely on the investment and earning a return on those dollars. We we had um, uh, a week or so ago, we had the treasurer of the state of Louisiana uh, doing the same thing. They've uh, removed about um, $800 million, I believe, from BlackRock because of this same issue. So I think you see more and more states that are you know, focused on making sure they get a return for their citizens as opposed to allowing these, uh, you know, woke corporations uh, to take their money and run with it. I, I, Governor, I want to I play this clip of President Biden. You mentioned him and the war on energy. Uh, yesterday, uh, he had a, uh, a meeting in the White House and he was making these statements. I want to play uh, clip number two, please. It's time for these companies to stop war profiteering, meet their responsibilities to this country, and give the American people a break and still do very well. You know, the president's made it extremely hard for those in the fossil fuel industry to, to make it. And as you said, we're a capitalist society. You know what? I, I don't, I'm not angry because people make a profit. Uh, especially given all the obstacles they've got to go over. But it seems like the president is at war with the energy industry. You know, that, that sounds a lot like socialism to me. And Lord help us when a president of the United States starts attacking certain industries and certain for-profit companies for earning a profit. And, and you've got to remember, there's millions of shareholders, uh, millions, and pension funds involved in investing 
uh, billions of dollars in capital in our energy space. And for the president of the United States to say, we're going to have a windfall tax on that. Uh, what's the next step for them to take over private industries? This is, this is a slippery slope. And I think, you know, it's an attack today on this industry. Tomorrow, it could be on a different industry. And that's nonsense. That is why, and this is what this is why it's so important that we get out and vote on November 8th is because the Biden administration's attack on our way of life and the attack on uh, energy and what we need to have a safe and secure country is unbelievable to us. It makes no common sense. And we won't stand forward in Oklahoma. And we need to be pushing this out and, and exposing this for what it is. So I appreciate you being on here. We're a free market society. We know that's the greatest We've got the greatest middle class in the world, and we're trying to attack that right now by putting their thumb on the scale and uh, causing everything to go up in, in, in pricing, and, and we just think that's ridiculous. Uh, Governor Stitt, I, I'm going to ask you to kind of educate our viewers and listeners for just a moment. Being you're in a state, an oil-producing state, big deal to your state— when the president makes comments like this, most people don't realize that what you pay at the pump, a lot of that's based on speculation from a standpoint of if you're going to go out and take the tremendous risk to drill a well. And I remember making up wellheads uh, and working out in the oil field. You, you, you incur a lot of risk because that might be a dry hole. It may not work. And so if you're going to be facing additional regulation and you've got a hostile administration, you're going to be less likely to take risk, which means the supply stays low and therefore the price goes up. So if, if the president really wants to help the American family in getting affordable energy, he would be encouraging the energy industry to make a profit by taking the risk and going out there and doing what they do. Yeah, I mean, you said it very well. I think it's the bigger picture that people understand is really supply and demand. And demand is the same, right? We still are heating our homes and our businesses, driving our kids to school, driving to work, driving our kids to football practice. Demand is the same. And so when you choke off supply, like this administration has done, the price is going to go up. And everything that's delivered at the grocery store and all of our goods and our supply chain is all uh, driven here. Um, and so that is what's causing 40-year highs in inflation. So again, it is an attack on uh, the energy independence of America, which is a national security concern. And, and, their, and their, their hope is that Russia will produce more oil or OPEC uh, to create that uh, equilibrium of supply and demand where, where prices will come back down instead of unleashing Oklahoma companies and Texas companies and Pennsylvania companies and North Dakota companies to meet the needs of Americans. And what's so, what, what, what's so unbelievable to us is since 1973, every president of the United States, whether they're Republican or Democrat, they all had an energy independence policy. In other words, let's meet the needs of Americans with our own resources until this administration. And it's a flat out an attack uh, from, a certain, from the Biden administration and a certain wing of his party uh, to try to attack it and cancel the Keystone Pipeline uh, make it impossible to drill on federal lands. They've just instituted new tax on the oil and gas industry. And I like to brag on Oklahoma's all of the above approach. We are number four in oil production, number three in natural gas. But what people don't realize about Oklahoma, we're number two in wind energy production. We've got some of the cleanest water, cleanest air in the country. And that's led to the cheapest electricity cost, uh, the top 10 at least over the last 14 quarters in the state of Oklahoma. We've been, I think, number one cheapest 11 out of the last 14 quarters. That's a huge advantage for our state. People are moving now to our state. Companies are moving here because we have a reliable energy grid. And we and they know that we're not going to have rolling blackouts like they have in some other states. Uh, so we need more of everything in America. Oklahoma's leading the way. And this administration is not having honest conversations about that. So, so Governor, just to be clear, you're saying we can do both. We can be green and we can, we can use the resources that God has put into the earth for us as well. Well, sure. And if you look at all of the products and the byproducts, then everything that's made out of petroleum products, uh, tires that we drive on, I mean, you can go through the list. I mean, just, just Google it. it. You're not having an honest conversation if you're not talking about oil and natural gas. Natural gas has actually contributed more to 
reducing admission rates than anything. Oklahoma's reduced our admissions three times the national average because of clean burning natural gas. Uh, I just signed an MOU with the governor of Arkansas and Louisiana to get a hydrogen hub here to Oklahoma. So we're looking at green hydrogen, uh, blue hydrogen. Uh, it, we need more of everything is kind of my approach. Uh, in Europe right now, they're paying about $180 a kilowatt hour for electricity, where Oklahoma is around $9 a kilowatt hour. So we have, a, in the United States, we have a huge advantage right now, uh, but it's not going to always be that way if we let the Biden administration continue to attack and not have an honest conversation about what Americans need uh, and what they're using to be successful. Yeah, I I agree wholeheartedly with that approach. I like the uh, the opportunity to harness the wind, uh, to use water, whatever we can to generate that power, but to do so in a a smart manner that does not hurt the American family in the process. Now, you said something a moment ago about you know kind of the president, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe I heard you say that this is kind of a socialist view of uh, of of controlling business and i think these two issues run in tandem where you have this uh, socialist marxist view of the economy but also a hostility toward traditional values the family and religion now you've been leading really the country from the state of oklahoma when it comes to the sanctity of human life and advancing those value sets I think it's hard to escape the fact that the two come together. You 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 embrace free the the, the capitalist um, model of economic development and growth, and and a, and a set of moral principles. Whereas when you want to control government, you you see often the family and religion as a hostile force. Well, thank you. We're leading and we're not shy about it at all in Oklahoma. And that's, we believe in traditional family values. And we're number 11 in the country right now, not per capita, but true numbers of people moving to our state. And the, the state that we're number, that we have more people moving from than anywhere else is California. And when they get here, they tell me they're moving because of our traditional family values, our pro-freedom policies. People are so tired of the government dictating and mandating and telling them what to do and, and being involved in every aspect of our life. You know, we believe in smaller government, lower taxes. Uh, Ronald Reagan said it best when he would say, you know, the government is not the solution. Most of the time, the government is the problem. And when Biden tries to get involved and wants to do this windfall tax on oil and gas or whatever craziness they're talking about, there, there's always consequences. We can look at history. We can look at uh, all the consequences when the government tries to fix one thing, they break 25 other things. You let the free market work, you deregulate, and that actually helps the middle class. That helps competition. That drives down prices. We know that from a business perspective. And so that's why we're un unashamed at talking about some of the smaller government, uh, less regulation that we need uh, in, in, in Oklahoma and also, frankly, in the United States. Well, Governor, we're out of time, but I am so grateful that you took the time to join us today, and I want to commend you on the great job you're doing there in the Sooner State. Well, thank you so much for having me on. would love to come back anytime. All right. Governor Kevin Stitt of uh, Oklahoma doing a great job out there. Folks, thanks so much for joining us. Let me again encourage you to download your free voter guide. Text the word GUIDE to 67742. And join us tonight for our special edition of Pray Vote Stand. Until Washington then, Watch with Tony you know what to do. Is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.